Welcome to the series finale of the Hot Stove presented by the Cup of Mets podcast. I'm Ian Bosniak and we'll be joined momentarily by Robert Venegas and Matthew DeSantis. Before we get going, remember to give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. We are at Cup of Mets. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, whether it be on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And lastly, make sure to download that SeatGeek app and use code Cup of Mets to receive $20 off on your first purchase. And with that, Let's kick off the finale, boys. Rob, Matt, gentlemen, the hot stove has finally come to an end. This is it. How are we feeling? I mean, I'm happy it's over, bro. I'm just ready to watch some baseball. Um, people can be people can be happy, unhappy about the moves made, but I still think to this day our biggest move was President of Baseball Operations David Stearns um, to give us continuity and long-term success. So I'm not really mad about how the way the offseason went. Now it's just really time to just watch some baseball. Yeah, definitely. Time flies. And, um, again, the fact that we're kind of getting the ESPN updates and whoever tweeted it out during the weekend, that it's kind of crazy you get that first ESPN alert. It's it's good to see, man. Baseball's back. Yeah, getting those lineup drops is uh, definitely something that, you know, and especially with the warm weather coming up, you know, there we're, we hit 50 today here in New York. Uh, looks like it's going to be that way over the next couple of days. So definitely baseball weather, only a few more days to go here in February. Um, you know, as you both said, ready to talk some baseball. The Mets have played three games already since we've last touched base. Today being the third game, uh, Tyler McGill tossed the first game. Jose Budo pitched yesterday and Max Kranich started today. All three uh, vying for that fifth starter role, taking over for Kodai Sanga. Um, before we get into those guys, just a quick note on Kodai Sanga. Uh, it's been reported by Bob Nightingale uh, over the last several hours that the Mets internally are much more anxious about um, the timeline in regards to how much time uh, Kodai Sanga could miss. When I'm thinking of posterior, uh, you know, your shoulder, I went back and dug a little bit. Johan Santana also had that. Um, there are several pitchers who have had that and who have had complications coming back. I'm a little bit worried. You know, Matt, you and I were saying last episode that it was looking like baseball activities wouldn't begin until, you know, June. And then, you know, we kind of see from there. But to know that the Mets are privately anxious about the timeline is definitely um, not a good sign for the club. No, definitely not, man. I mean, again, and this is your quote-unquote ace coming into 2024, um, having a good rookie year, solid rookie year, and you invest that many years and, and like, what, $15 million annually? Yep. Um, it's a big loss, big loss for the Mets. People are asking if they should go out for Snell or Monty. They're still out there. But, again, you, you keep into the consideration that the luxury tax is going to hit us and hit us hard. Um, but again, you know, we just we just guys that you named before who started over these last three spring training games are going to be like the X factor in terms of the rotation this year, in my opinion. You know, a guy like Jose Budo and Miguel, um, they're competing for a spot. They can not only compete for the fifth spot, but maybe if they go six man rotation, that that's the rotation until Kodai comes back. But um, I am nervous as well, Boz, because you know you say the shoulder, and you say Johan Santana, and you know how that ended up. So I'm 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 hoping not the same results. Uh, for Senga. Yeah, t I, t I mean, I tend to agree, but uh, it, it really is unfortunate. Uh, I, I would take it slow with him, to be quite honest with you. I wouldn't rush him back because then we all know what's going to happen when we rush him back. It's going to get 30 times worse, and then we won't see him until September. Um, so personally, I think 
I think you let it run its course and you give you get this is gonna shine a light on on somebody else. It's gonna give somebody else an opportunity to shine. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely you know, we know that he went underwent MRI uh imaging and and then he got the PRP injections and you know, they say that he's not going to throw a baseball for several weeks and then he's going to, you know, begin some sort of program just to see where he's at. But definitely not a good sign. I'm worried because, you know, as I mentioned, Johan, this, that, and the third. But, you know, you said, you know, you don't want to rush him back so that, you know, hopefully we don't see him, you know, if, God forbid, we didn't see him until September. I'm hoping that we see him. And I hate to be, you know, this negative nanny uh, or negative Nancy, whatever you call it, right? Um, <laughs> uh, about that situation, I want to be as positive as I can. I want to believe that Kodak can come back. And but uh, shoulders much more difficult to come back than your elbow. Um, shoulder impacts the entire arm, also your lat, your entire back, um, your neck. So there's definitely um, a you know cause to be concerned about and again as i said knowing that the mets privately are, are worried about it um definitely kind of sours that a little bit further um we've seen mcgill so far mcgill to me I, I saw a lot of what i have been seeing over the last several years and it continues to worry me uh he only went two innings again i, I don't want to draw any conclusions from his first start, you know, you got to let the, the spring play out. He only struck out three batters um, over those two innings. But with that said, a high pitch count um, through 39 pitches. I believe 25 of those were in the first inning. Gave up two hits, uh, didn't walk a batter, which was good. But he continues to, you know, allow hitters to get on base. And, and, and last year he had a really high whip. And I'm anxious about McGill being in the rotation. Um, I know, again, Matt, you and I talked last week. Um, about the prospect of McGill being in the rotation. I'm a little worried about McGill. I'd almost rather see Budo. Yeah, I mean, I would rather see none of them, but, you know, <laughs> if we're picking if we're picking our poison here, yeah, I think I'd rather see Budo also. I just think McGill is what he is right now. You know what I mean? And I think that he's either a hit or a miss, you know? And the thing is, is that if you have him in the rotation every fifth day, I'm not saying the likes of Budo or Max Kranich for say, are going to go deep into games. Right. But a Tyler or McGill, it's going to suck if he's thrown 95 pitches over five innings and we're going to the bullpen we're depleting the bullpen every fifth day automatically when the rotation is not that strong as is, and you're going to be utilizing the bullpen, you know, four out of those five days already uh, to me, a Tyler or McGill, you're just asking for, you know, to see the, the, the bullpen early. Yeah. I mean, again, command, is the issue in my eyes like like you said he he'll go four or five innings 90 pitches and and then we've seen flashes like in 2022 before he got injured um that he could go six seven and make guys swing and miss but uh the whip is a big question mark in my eyes i did like what i seen from jose budo not to agree with both of you guys but jose budo to me just looks like he gotten better ever since he came onto the scene he's gotten better every single year and i think this year is the year that he proves it um, he reminds me of Jose Barrios, man. I say it 45 times, but again, I, I really like, and he's working guys inside now and, and shit, you know, working this two seam down and in, um, he, he got potential in my eyes and I, and I'd really like to see him get a shot. The way that he's mixing up his pitches. And I mean, I, I just, my, my last note on McGill, I just wanted to get the exact figure in 2023, 
McGill's whip was 1.58. 1.58. Like, that means he's walking or batters or he's giving up hits every inning. Like, no yeah. joke. And that, and that accounts for or his two, height. Or two, or two hits or walking two guys because it's one yeah. and a half, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. exactly. And that's, you know, his, his highest whip before that was his rookie season where he tallied a 1.28 whip. So, obviously, that's a massive concern. Gave up 141 hits in uh, just 126 innings. Also walked 58 batters as well. And only struck out 105. So, a guy that, you know, you would think would strike out more batters being that he does have that overpowering stuff at times as well as mixing in those off-seed pitches that American Spork this that you would think that you would be able to see more swing and misses but you haven't seen that from Miguel and I think that that's why I'm a little bit more leery of him you know and then you look at a Jose Budo and Jose Budo needs to refine his secondary and his off-seed pitches he still does he still has to work on them but yesterday he looked good and not only that I don't know if you guys saw it but that fastball Granted, you know, in, in, in his time last year, he was throwing the ball 93, 94, 95, but he was throwing consistently all, all you know, the, the entirety of his outing yesterday. Yeah. yeah, they were all 95, 96. His fastballs were splitting away. Um, he just looked good. And uh, Rob, you mentioned uh, pre-show here that you felt like he kind of changed his delivery a bit. Yeah, no, I mean, again, he's more like, like when he, when he kind of gets in his windup, he's more crouched up. And I guess I, I guess he's leading his hit more, you know, which is where the velocity comes in. I feel like, but I I, I don't know. I I know I know you as a former pitcher, like you always talked about your changeup. Your pops always talked about the changeup, and I don't know. Ever since he's gotten into the league, he wasn't afraid to throw it, even though it was hung over the plate sometimes. But you've seen the downward movement and the and the sick motion of the of the changeup that he has. So that's why again, like I just respect the pitcher who can chuck it 95 96 and then just drop drop you on drop on like a slow change up to maybe get hitters out in front and he's not he's just not a, he looks like not afraid he's he's pitching he's not thinking you know even when he's missing you know it's just I don't know I, I'm rooting for the guy yeah me too seeing his velocity go up that's definitely a good sign and also age is age is only an, is only a number right but Miguel we've seen what he's had over the last several years and staying healthy has been an issue for him. Um, Staying consistent when he's on the mound has been an issue for him. And again, when you look at Jose Budo, Jose Budo, he's only had a cup of coffee. He's only made uh, eight starts over the course of his career, but he's only 25 years old. Right. And he'll be 26 at the beginning of this season. And, and he still has, obviously you would, you would say, you know, untapped potential. And again, from what he saw yesterday, and again, he threw 39 pitches yesterday. But as Rob said, you know, seeing him utilize that changeup and, 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 you know, those pitches breaking down um, and seeing him use some of his, uh, you know, breaking stuff, it just made me, you know, remember that he really does have four or five, six pitches that he can utilize if he refines them. And, you know, if Jeremy Hefner can consistently work with him instead of, you know, shuffling him back and forth from, City Field to Syracuse, I think that Budo could really be um, a really solid starter in, in, in the bigs. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, we just got to see the stuff, give him his opportunity. And his opportunity might come with Senga being out. So as long as he continues to produce during the spring, then, you know, we need, we need arms. He'll be there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, one of them will 
one of them will end up in the rotation. Obviously, there's always a potential that there could be some sort of six man because even the likes of a guy like Sean Manaya pitched out of the bullpen primarily last year or uh, kind of split a little bit. So, you know, there's always a possibility, but the Mets do have these arms um, depth-wise. So we'll see. And then a guy like Max Kranich, uh, who the Mets claimed off waivers from the Pirates, he looked great today. He went two innings, struck out two, didn't allow a hit, didn't walk anybody, only threw doesn't have wow you know what i gotta say for some of these games they're not stat cast eligible they also don't even throw how many pitches guys tallied wow that's unbelievable but anyway Kranick went two shutout innings today um that was followed by tyler stewart prospect who also went two shutout innings um sean reed foley turned in a shutout inning as well um i like max Kranick. i mean matt you and i mentioned Kranick last week Kranich's a guy who has good upside, um, started several games two years ago with the Pirates. Last year really didn't pitch much, only five innings um, in the bigs. But Kranich's somebody who has a good mixture of pitches, and he's also vying for the spot. And seeing all three of the pitchers go out there thus far and chuck up you know, two innings allowing one run in the first game, two innings allowing no runs yesterday, two innings allowing no runs today, Again, it's only spring training. It's still February. It's only three games in. But seeing the guys that are buying for a Kodai spot, they're all performing. They're all looking pretty good. I, I liked what I saw from Kranich today. A little friendly competition never hurts, so this is a good start for the Mets and company. I think I want to see how the next three to four games go in terms of the pitching side, um, and then maybe we can really talk about how maybe that pitching lab has really enhanced the Mets. I need a little more time than that. I think I need a, about a few weeks. I need to see what's going on. Um, Absolutely. But as we see more, more and more young guys get tossed in the mix, which I love. I love that during spring training. It's pretty much the case for these young guys. Yeah. Um, so like uh, Nate Lavender, who came in two days ago, had a perfect inning. Uh, I thought he looked good. Um, we we have a lot. It's very our, – our pitching prospects, I feel like, are slept on around the league. And I feel like we have some good arms coming up down like through our pipeline, like a Tyler Stewart, a Christian Scott. We have bullpen arms like a Paul Gervais, uh, a Nate Lavender. Some I dogs, still, yeah. I, yeah, we still we have some good players. And uh, you see, you see what Lavender said when he got interviewed, or no? I didn't. What did he say? No, he was just like how he's saying that like he goes out there, even though he it might say ninety two, ninety three, like the way he goes out there and like his mentality, it feels like it's a sneaky, like 93. So that means, you know, he's just, I don't know. I just, I just honestly, so personally, like when, when I was watching him, I don't know if anybody else like thought of this as well. Kind of looked like Billy Wagner up there. Yeah. Like yeah, just, his, just his pitching motion. Yeah. A little bit more soft tossing, obviously. Right. Not, yeah. Not throwing. Billy, Billy was a flamethrower. So yeah, not triple digits, but um, I think, Rob, I think what you were alluding to also is not only his mentality, but also he kind of has a little, like a little bit of a deception in his in his motion, yeah. Um, as well, and that also can throw off hitters. You know, Nate Lavender is someone who we'll talk about. He he's going to vie for. It, it appears like there's only one bullpen spot remaining. Um, knock on wood, and that's bearing any injuries. Um, but that's truly what it appears like, and um, you know, as you said. Matt, I'm excited to continue to watch the McGills, the Cranics, and the Budos this spring, see who ends up with that fifth spot, and then kind of go from there. 
we already knew yeah. going into this year, even though we had a legitimate one or two in Kodai, we knew this year that if we were going to be successful, a lot of it was going to fall on the bullpen carrying the rotation. We knew that anyway, right? So yeah. um, we just have to kind of see how the rest of the spring unfolds. A piece that I'm looking to see how he develops more is a Grant Hartwig. Um, he looked good at times last year. I thought that he could very well be in the mix as a as a um, as a viable bullpen arm going forward. So I'm really excited to see how he plays this season. Absolutely, and he's not even slated to be in the projected bullpen as it's currently um, constructed. So that just shows, listen, the Mets bullpen is sneaky good. And if some of these pitchers pan out, like a Jorge Lopez, a Jake Diekman, uh, a Shintaro Fujinami, the Mets bullpen is going to be in good shape. You know, and, and again, as I said before, if the Mets are going to be successful, a lot is going to ride on the likes of the bullpen. And really, as I said, there's only one spot. Right now, Fangraphs projects Phil Bickford to, to get that final spot. Um, but again, there's a guy like Grant Hartwig, as you mentioned, you know, uh, Michael Tonkin, who the Mets brought in as well. There's a bunch of pieces that the Mets do have that can get that last spot. So, um, you know, really just kind of comes down to kind of seeing how the rest of the spring rolls and hopefully some of these players that got invited to spring and don't have options, you know, kind of stick around in the minors. Something to- honestly that, that we didn't actually speak about was Fujinami. He is not at spring training due to visa issues. Oh, is it wow. visa issues? I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's visa issues. Apparently, he had the same issues either last year or the year before. Had to fly back to Japan, get these dealt with. Uh, and But last year, he did it before spring training. This year, he I guess got screwed. But that's that's where he is. He's back home dealing with visa stuff. And... The thing that I was going to say about Fujinami, I mean, obviously I knew that he went back to Japan. Um, I didn't realize that it was, are you, has that been confirmed that it's due to visa issues? I saw a whole bunch of stuff on it during the week, during huh. last week. So I, I it's gotta see, be. See, to me, I see has less, has left the team due to a family matter. The team announced Friday afternoon. Hopefully everything's all right. Yeah. yeah. But something that I wanted what I to bring saw. up. But, but yeah. I mean, something, something that I wanted to bring up about Fujinami was Fujinami. There are people saying that he is an absolute freak athlete. You know, yeah. we know that he can throw 100 plus miles per hour. We saw 103 last year. <laughs> but there are people saying that if he can refine a few things, he could be like unhittable. Just to think of him and Diaz being unhittable. Yeah, and the way that and the way that you watch Fujinami, it's a shame that he couldn't. And again, last year was his rookie year in the majors, so I guess the Mets could also could always dabble at some point during the season. And I guarantee we'll see an opener at one point or another. But uh, just throw him out there. But like Fujinami, to me, that upside watching some of his watching a couple of his bullpens before he went back to Japan, he throws he throws like Otani. And I know that a lot of Japanese pitchers have that similar kind of pause in their in their in their delivery. Yeah. Um, but Otani's much quicker to the plate, and Fujinami is as well. Um, but they do have that little, uh, you know, leg pause um, in their in their in their delivery. So 
I don't know. And just knowing that he can touch, you know, hundred miles per hour, you know, have that, have that breaking uh, pitch and the, and the slider and the curveball. There's a ton, there's, there's a ton of upside in a guy like Fujinami. And the fact that people are coming out saying that they're extremely impressed with everything that they've seen so far from him. That's, those are great notes. Yeah. And then, I mean, offensively speaking, you see Francisco Alvarez go yachty yesterday. I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but it looks like Francisco Alvarez has shortened his swing a little bit. No, nah, yeah, he definitely did. He said he worked, he tweaked his swing a bit or not even a swing, but just, I guess, being shorter to the ball. Yeah. So again, but that, that high and outside pitch, he like led the league or like in like hard hit percentage or he was top 10 or something like that in the high and outside fastball. He's just like yeah. top 10. He's like hitting 900 OPS or whatever. That that home run yesterday reminded me of um granted the pitch wasn't as high and Francisco Alvarez is a shorter guy than Vladimir Guerrero senior, but uh reminds me of the all-star game home run that Vladimir Guerrero senior hit um in Pittsburgh back in 06 or whatever it was. Um mm-hmm. when he just like took that fastball that was just up at his head and just cracked it over the right field wall. Um completely <laughs> different fences. But I don't know. I I, I mean, Matt, I, I think that you mentioned last week that you are predicting 33 home runs from Alvarez in 2024. You also mentioned him as an X factor. If he could take that next step, get on base at a higher clip, continue to hit for power, take a step defensively as well. The sky is the limit. The sky is the limit. If he, and there's no reason why he shouldn't be behind the dish every game, give him his, his regular day off, but like he should be the main guy behind the plate. Like, enough with this, like, Nito Narvaez bullshit. Like, he's the guy. <laughs> you got to let him play, bro. Like, it's it's time. Like, you can't keep – you can't keep – you can't put him in for two games, have him sit two, have him play one, sit again. Like, dude, let the kid play. Yeah. He's young. No, 100%. And they, and they, and they like, kind of, like, did that a little bit last year in terms of just, like, playing with him. Like, he would catch two days, then DH him. It's like, just give the kid – his run and when he needs a day off, he'll let you know. And I, and I'm sure his day off is like not catching for one game DH in, but I got to see that every like week or so. I, I, I saw something the other day. Our catching room is worth like $25 million AAB this year. And he counts, he accounts for 500 K of it. Yeah. So what it's uh James McCann and Omar Narvaez. <laughs> and, and two, 2.5 to Nito. Ah, the two point five oh. Nito. I think Nito's gonna get traded. He's playing right now. He's been playing the last couple of games. I think that he's auditioning for other teams right now. I think uh, Tomas is, is. Uh, so long. So, so what long. are we gonna get for get for him a bag of Rawlings baseballs and a fucking jar of hummus? Like, <laughs> a, okay, let's let's go back on this. A bag of Rawlings baseball and a jar of hummus. How do those that sounds teams? about wow. that's that sounds about right for what we could get for Tomas Nito. I hope he listens too. Nah, nah, don't <laughs> hope that. Don't hope that. I would, I would, <laughs> I would, I would, I would just like a little salary dump. I think yeah, some team. I, mean, I think some team will say, okay, he can be our backup at two point five million bucks for one year. Sure. Yeah, why not? Teams are in need of catching. Yeah, but and I, listen, I'm sorry. I, I'm not trying to speak bad of Tomas Nito. 
he de- he definitely like exceeded his expectations. I mean, not really, but um, I just yeah, what think the hell it's are you crazy talking about? How... He sucked last year. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's trash. But and he was a top thirty prospect. Just, though. My, yeah, the moral of the story was play Francisco Alvarez. The kid can hit, definitely, and he can catch. So Well, listen, I think that you are going to see him play every day, minus those off days here and there. I think that the Mets recognize that. You also hear it in the likes of Beatty and Vientos. You hear Mendoza talking the other day. They're both going to get reps at third base. They're both going to get ABs. This is the year that we're going to see the kids play. And Alvarez, you know, he struggled towards the end of last season, but he was he established himself as a starting catcher last year, and I think the Mets know that. Narvaez will get in there for a game or two a week, and that's it, you know. Um and I don't think yeah, there's any, yeah. I don't think there's any denying that. What was what I thought was a little concerning yesterday, and and listen, I know I'm always a part of the camp of it's only February 25th, but Vientos made an error. What do you know? He did. Like, come on, come on, man! Like, what yep. are you doing, bro? Oh boy. <laughs> and it's funny too because Vientos, when you watch clips or you watch you know snippets of them down in port st Lucie. he looks much smoother than brett Beatty at third yet he, yeah, makes he looked good efforts. on a double play we had a double play that he kind of had to like go towards second uh i believe i don't know but he looked he did look smooth yeah but i didn't know he made an error yeah it's concerning yeah. yeah and and that's and that's the thing that i'm kind of referring to that's the thing that i'm kind of referring to it's like you know he he looks smooth when you when you when you see what's going on down in Port St. Lucie and even some of these not only the easy plays but just you know some of the some of the in-game plays in general and then all of a sudden there will be like a routine play or he'll just make like a boneheaded mistake and you're just like obviously that happens but um happens more than it should yeah there's a ton of room yeah. for growth and you know, we are going to bottom line here is that, you know, Joey Wendell will be over there occasionally at third, but Vientos and Beatty are your third baseman. So we're going to see defensively how much they can mature. And if they don't, then the Mets look elsewhere in 2020. God help us. If we have to go shopping for a third baseman in 2025, that's an issue. If we can develop either Beatty or Vientos, Beatty was a top 25 prospect at one point. If we cannot develop them, and in which we had a chance to trade Beatty for Lazardo last offseason <laughs> and come out with not, not good. You're hoping – we're going to hope that uh, they both mature. Beatty, Beatty says that he's focused his swing more on spraying the ball now. Obviously, that's like a no-brainer. Like, dude, you should do that anyway. But uh, he felt like he was getting- <laughs> He felt like he was getting under the ball too much. Um, and then also when he was getting under the ball, he said that he would, he said, he said something along the lines of like, he would get under the ball consistently, but then when he would try to get under the ball, he would roll over on it, which makes not, which doesn't make a ton of sense. He's doing something wrong, obviously. Uh, and apparently he's worked a lot this off season, not only strengthening conditioning and getting bigger, but also you know, keeping those hand hands back and being able to spray the ball to all fields. So hopefully we can see that from Beatty. Um, because again, Matt, as you said, we don't want to go shopping for a third baseman next off season with much, you know, more pressing issues at hand. Luke Voigt and 
Jose Iglesias, and I'll even throw a Trace Thompson in there, right? We're not going to talk again until a couple days before opening day, guys, right? So just three vets. Do we see any of them possibly squeaking onto the team? I mean, obviously something would have to go completely bad, whether it be an injury or whether it be performance via Vientos or Stewart, but do we see any of them possibly sliding their way onto the team? I wouldn't mind Trace Thompson. If Luke Voigt or Iglesias is starting in our infield, God help us. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, okay. So then I just won't say what I was going to say, but no, I'm just kidding. But I, I would, I, I would, I wouldn't mind a Jose Iglesias to be honest. I mean, if the kids suck at third, you put Joey Wendell there and you have Iglesias for up the middle insurance. Um, I wouldn't mind him. He's hitting the ball. So, yeah, he did. He laced the, he laced the double into the gap yesterday. Um, Trace Thompson is good though. Trace Thompson, five ribbies today, five ribeye steaks. Good for him. Yeah, what's good with Love DJ that, Stewart leading off? Like, what's the thought process behind that? There isn't a thought process in spring training. I, I, I think the thought process is let's give DJ as many at bats as he as we can give him to see like is he gonna catch lightning in a bottle like last time, like last year? They went, I don't know. That's my thought process. Like, does he still have it in a way? Is it was it just yeah, uh, pretty much yeah, yeah. So. and and the, and the, I mean thus far. Jay Stewart is hitting 200 with a 533 OPS. I agree with Matt. I do think that they're just trying to uh, give him as many ABs as possible just to see what they have because we know who's going to be atop the lineup come opening day anyway. Brandon Nimmo also, while I bring that up, Brandon Nimmo also won't play uh, for, I believe, like a, a week, a little over a week. Um, yeah, similar same with to, Jeff. Yeah. yeah, same with Jeff McNeil, similar to how they've gone about uh, the last couple seasons. So obviously it's worked both on the field and health wise for Brandon the last couple of years. So, um, you know, he's taking that route as well to me. I think that the only way that one of them makes it onto the team, obviously an injury. Right. But I think that if Mark Viento swings, like he has a hole in his bat, I think Luke Voigt would be the only option. Um, because Essentially, Luke Voigt can only play first base in DH, and that's it. They also have G-Man Choi. I forgot to mention G-Man Choi. Um, Man. You know, who can also uh, fill in there. He's been playing a little bit of first base. Um, but I don't know. When I look at the Mets bench, you know it's going to be Tyrone Taylor. You know it's going to be Joey Wendell. You know it's going to be Omar Narvaez. And you know it's going to be either Stewart or Bientos as of now. You know, la last thing when it comes to kind of like positional battles and, and spring notes before we kind of – just sum up the offseason a little bit and then go into our top 10 starters and relievers. Who do you guys think winds up with that final uh, bullpen spot? Matt, I'll start with you. I think Hartwig, personally. I think that he showed what he can do last year, and if he continues showing this spring, I think there's no reason to have him in Syracuse. He was with the big, he was with the big league club for – Right, half the half the season last year, I yep. think. So I I wouldn't have him go backwards and have him play in in Syracuse. I would I'd keep him with the big club. I would keep him. I'd I'd make sure he's on the bullpen. I probably have to go Michael Tonkin, experience with the Braves, but um, I don't know. I just I just think experience and veteran leadership in the bullpen is going to lead the Mets, and he's one of them. So, yeah, to me, 
to me, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's Hartwig. Wouldn't be surprised if it's Tonkin either, considering you know that the relievers are going to have to give a little bit of um, going to have to eat innings at some point or another. But I I do think Phil Bickford ends up getting that final spot. Only reason being is that he doesn't have any options remaining, um, so he would have to clear waivers if he is dropped, and then a team may pick up pick him up again, losing Phil Bickford. You know, the sky's not falling, obviously, uh, but I do think Bickford ends up with that final spot. So, again, you know, next time we'll chat, we'll be right around opening day, but if everything falls into place, the opening day bullpen will be Edwin Diaz, Adam Adovino, Brooks Raley, Drew Smith, Jake Diekman, Shintaro Fujinami, Jorge Lopez, and Phil Bickford. Off to the grades. This was a weird offseason. We know it. We've been waiting for this day to wrap up the hot stove series because it's been boring as hell. Um, just quickly, I'm going to go ahead and give David Stearns a C plus slash B minus uh, for his first offseason with the Mets. I know I just gave you like a little bit of an in-between. I wasn't expecting him to go all out. We knew that he wanted to see internally what they had. And we knew that the Mets wanted to shed some dead money. With that said, seeing how the playoffs have gone the last couple of years, meaning if you literally just slide into a playoff spot, you can get your way up. Um, you know, like example, Dimebacks last year. Um, I just feel as if from internal scouting, you have to really, and development, you have to really believe that you have something in a Mark Vientos, let's say, for example, in order to not sign a J.D. Martinez, someone who you know could give you thunder in the middle of that order, right? And that's something that no matter what, I'm still going to question. Because Rob, you and I, we spoke, I think it was two episodes ago, more times than not, in a certain year, we talk about the Mets need you know, a certain position and then they don't address it. And then X amount of weeks into the season, we go, oh, geez, the Mets really should have signed this guy or they really needed this. They really needed that. And we know that always happens. So to me, I'm glad Stearns didn't splurge on the rotation because I didn't see a lot of upside aside from a Yamamoto. I would have liked another bat. I like what he did with the bullpen. Um, I'll go B minus. I'll go B minus. I'll take him out of the C plus category. Rob, oh no, I, I was I wasn't shaking my head because of your grade in between grade. I was shaking my head because that was the grades I was in between of thinking okay. for David Stearns. But I'll I'll give I'll be the bad guy. I'll give him a C plus. Obviously, you factored in all the things that were shedding dead money. We knew this, we knew that. I get it, but it's like he tried to fill out the team and he did, but with not so sexy names. Um, there are a lot of hit or miss. Uh, type signings in terms of the offense. Um, I do like what he did with the bullpen, which obviously made me uh, give him a C plus. Um, but again, and and the rotation kind of scares me. So um, C plus. Yeah, I was kind of fighting in between a C plus and, and a C. Um, I mean, I do think that he did good things, and I like I said at the beginning of the episode, I think that he was our biggest acquisition, just like bringing in like a top five baseball exec to run your your whole franchise it's pretty big especially in the past few years we've been going through gms like every week um 
But anyhow, I mean, some a lot of these signings are are like lightning in a bottle signings. Like it's a lot like, wow, they produce good. We can either trade them or we're looking good in the season and we're adding at the deadline. Um, and then like we like we said, we everybody wanted Yoshinibu Yamamoto as the hot stove uh continued on and it started to really seem like we weren't gonna get him especially after Otani went to LA. It was kind of like, it's done. Um, but he is realistically the only one I would have actually have splurged that money for. I do think it's smart to keep our books open for the future, um, especially with our young, with our as we're transitioning to a younger organization, our team uh, with Drew Gilbert, Luis and Helen Cunha, we have some good prospects coming through the pipeline. Acuna, so two hits I, today. Love that. Trust me, I love to hear that. Um, I'm going to be following the Syracuse Mets pretty pretty heavily this <laughs> More year. Than the actual Mets? Uh, nah, I wouldn't that's say depend- that, but that- I'm going to be following them every night. That's dependent, Rob. <laughs> As, can you ask me that question in the middle of May, please? Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, I'll put it in my notes. And then we should take a the trip up there. Are. I would be fun. Yeah, I, I would do that. I mean, we 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 should do Binghamton and Syracuse, but but um, final score: Mets six, Washington three. Cranick with the W, Suarez, Jay Suarez with the save. Do you know who that is or no? So I gotta pull it up. <laughs> Julio Suarez, I don't know. I I don't, yeah, that's what I'm guessing, but I what, didn't want to. What, what's his name? Check. I don't know. Fine. Yeah, just check. Um, because the one thing. Compass even have it. <laughs> oh, John Suarez. Joander Suarez. What is it? <laughs> Joander. Okay. I think. Joander. Yeah. yeah. Joander, He's, yeah. He was born in 2000. He actually turns 23 tomorrow. So happy birthday, Joander. Yeah, that's not the name that <laughs> that's not the name that I would have guessed. Okay. Um and you know, the last thing that I wanted to say on all this, and then you know, we'll we'll just move ahead to our top tens is that I think all in all, we're giving around, you know, the C, C plus, B minus grades. At the end of the day, though, I think Rob and I can agree with Matt. Stearns was the biggest acquisition. And with that said, it's not like Stearns inherited a team that had a ton of money to spend. You know, there was, you know, Billy Epler was the, and again, we didn't see Jeff McNeil going from a batting title champ to a 270 hitter, but Jeff McNeil under contract long-term, Marte under contract long-term. You know, you still have the money from Scherzer and Verlander. So it's not like he could have really done so, so much. And especially in a class where you're seeing even other teams look at a Jordan Montgomery or a Blake Snell and question if they should sign him or not. It looks like the Mets kind of followed a path and um, David Stearns did that. So I really commend him on that. I really do. Um, Just, I also think, the reason why I'm giving him a B minus C plus whatever is just because the off season was just boring as hell. And I mean, it's not necessarily his fault, but I was, I was, I was like, I was sleeping. We came on and spoke about the same shit every week. <laughs> God, like we spoke, we, we spoke. I I want I want to go figure out how many times we said Jorge Soler's name in these 18 episodes, probably yeah, like hundreds. Yeah. And Yamamoto. Yup. Vientos, JD Martinez, 
JD Martinez. Yeah, same, same crap. Same Martin. crap. The, the, the biggest episodes, the, the most fun that we had, I think this off season, I think it comes down to three episodes. James Shiano, when he joined the pod early on, when the Mets signed Luis Severino and Joey Wendell, because yeah. we thought that that was the start of something. <laughs> and then when the Mets signed Fujinami and Deekman, because we're like, oh crap, maybe this ro- maybe this bullpen could help their rotation out. And then obviously we get hit with Sanga being out for God knows how long. So it's just, yeah. um, we're just, it's, uh, we're just Met fans and, um, it's how the Mets are, but we shall see another year approaching opening day, little over a month away. And uh, I think I'm still betting the over on their win total. What is their win total right now? It, it must have gone down, though, since Senga's injured. Yeah, that's true. It's 78. What's it at? Oh, I don't know. Last time I checked, it was oh. at 82 and a half. Yeah, it's definitely. Oh, okay. But it's it's got to be at like 78 ish now. 78 ish? Yeah, I'd probably take the over oh, yeah. because I think the Mets are going to have the best bullpen of all time in 2024. <laughs> bold, bold. That's my bold. That's my bold. My two bold predictions for 2024 are the Mets are going to have the greatest bullpen ever assembled, mm-hmm. and um, Brandon Nimmo's Brandon Nimmo's Brandon Nimmo's going to turn into an MVP caliber player. Oh. The prospect, the homegrown players oh, for, have been wonder. For some reason, I think Adrian Hauser is going to be good. No, he is going to be good. No, okay. I'm just kidding. I don't know about that. He, yo, he throws up on the mound, though. Look up that John boy where he's, like, throwing up on the mound. Yo. Yeah. I'll he's check. a puker. Robbie he's Gibson. a puker. Oh, 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 I saw that. I saw that. I thought I saw that. I saw that. Good yeah. for him. Get it out. <laughs> I say Senga comes back by June, and the Mets are in the race. They're on first, but they're in the race. Holy shit! That's what are you a fucking? What are you a fucking doctor now, dude? You go and get your MD. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's the jacket, uh, you know. I mean, special appearance for the jacket. But. Yeah, Rob's got the lucky uh, jacket. Yeah, yeah no, Rob. I'm just saying it's, it gives me bold predictions. So Rob's Rob's got the All remedy. Right. Rob's got the remedy for posterior injuries in that jacket. I, yeah, dude, I tore my. La- I'm. A, I have a torn labrum. I feel fine. You should get surgery. Like I do. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, that. Alrighty, gentlemen, we have gone, we have gotten down to the final ten, uh, top ten, both starting pitchers and relief pitchers as we wind down the hot stove series. Again, this is the finale until we don't have an exact date, but it's going to be a few days before opening day. A uh, little opening day preview and twenty twenty four preview. Um, we're going to start off with the starting pitchers. Um, I'll go first. I'll take the I'll take the reins on this one if you two fine gentlemen don't mind. Um, at you number ten, at number ten, I have George Kirby of the Seattle Mariners. Um, I don't like George Kirby's friends, but uh, George <laughs> Kirby is number. You know what I'm talking about, Rob? Yo, that's funny. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, at number nine, uh, Framber Valdez of the Astros. At number eight, I have Logan Webb, Giants. Seven, I have Luis Castillo of the Mariners, so the Mariners get two. Six, I have Zach Gallen of the Diamondbacks. Five, I have Corbin Burns of the Orioles, to be met. 
Uh, Kevin Gosman of the Toronto Blue Jays. At four, I have Zach Wheeler, another potential to be former Met, um, or <laughs> former and potential to be, excuse me, uh, Zach Wheeler, even though he's discussing a contract extension with the Phillies. I have Spencer Strider, who I hope sucks in 2024 at number two. And then I have Garrett Cole rounding out my list at number one, the reigning AL Cy Young Award winner. All right. It's a solid list. Thank you. No, our uh, no, I'm our uh, two and one are the same. So, Okay. Well, now, now that you said that, Matthew, why don't you go? Uh, it sounds good. Uh, at 10, I, did Log- I have I have Logan Webb from San Fran. Uh, nine, Yoshinibu Yamamoto. I'm thinking that he comes in and dominates immediately. If he comes Ooh. in and he's fucking dud, then I look like an idiot. <laughs> but uh, at uh, eight, I have Max Freed. Seven, I have uh, Kevin Gaussman. Six, Zach Gallen. Five, Luis Castillo. Four, our old pal Zach. Wish we never got rid of him. Three, Corbin Burns, uh, Spencer Strider, and Gary Cole. All right. That's my top five. Robert. Hola. All right. At number 10, I got Max Freed from the Atlanta Braves. At number nine, I have Sonny Gray. I'm giving him another uh, year of being in the top 10. Mm -hmm. I'm number eight, Logan Webb. Number seven, this one kind of hurts, but I do think Justin Verlander is a top 10 pitcher still. You know, once he got to Houston, he kind of went back to being Justin Verlander in a way until he got hurt. Um, just has to stay healthy. Yeah, just has to stay healthy. Granted, he's 40-some years old. Number six, Spencer Strider. Y'all had him at your top two. I'm, I'm putting him down at six just because I'm, I'm not a big fan. Number five, he's still a free agent, Blake Snell. Number four, Zach Gallen, the former Tar, tar Heel. And number three, Zach Wheeler. I I also miss Zach and wheels up. Number two, Corbin Burns, and number one, Garrett Cole. Look at that! A Mets podcast with a unanimous Garrett Cole yep. as their number one starting pitcher. You can't say we're biased. Yep. <laughs> can't yep. say we're biased. Yeah. <laughs> now have him. Now have him zipper it. He'll start the relief pitchers. All right. Rip it. Now. I'm going to go one through 10 <laughs> because now that people are going to call me bias at number no, one. No, 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 no. You got to go 10 to one. No, come on, bro. All right, 10 fine. to one. 10 to one. All right. Number 10, David Bendar. Number nine, Jose Alvarado. Ugh. Yep. Number eight, Chris Martin. Okay. N- number seven, Brian Abreu. Number six, Johan Duran. Number five, Peter Be- Fairbanks. Number four, Evan Phillips. Number three, Ryan Hesley. Number two, Edwin Diaz. And number one, Devin Williams. Okay. It's a good list. I don't know why you I built it. I don't know how. I don't know why you built it yeah. up. They were like they were gonna shit on you, man. That's a good list. Nah, nah, nah. Edwin Diaz, bro, because he had a year off, you know. He's he nah. should, I was gonna put him one, but then I was like, oh. Devin Williams. It's how you expect them to perform in 2024 as well, not Pretty just from much. the previous season. So, you're good. You're justified. I guess. I guess. I guess something happened to Josh Hader. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Right. He refuses to pitch when his coaches tell him to. So that's why he's on my shit list. Okay, I like that. All right. Uh, a ten. 
the Cuban Missile, Rollis Chapman. Nine, I have Alexi Diaz. Eight, Fairbanks. Seven, Bednar. Six, Abreu. Five, Emmanuel Classe. Uh, four, Duran. Three, Hader. Two, Williams. One, Mr. Trumpet, Edwin Diaz. <laughs> wow. Bro, I forgot about I think he I think I think he comes back and he's the fucking man again. I oh, think Rob, he looks you forgot, no different. Rob, you forgot class A as well. Yeah, I forgot Emmanuel Class A. That's one I forgot. That's if the Guardians were uh selling, uh, I would if I'm the Mets, I would inquire on him, bro. That would be a lethal eight nine. Yeah. Um my top ten. At ten, I have Tanner Scott of the Miami Marlins. At nine, I have Nate Lavender from the New York. No, I'm kidding. Uh, at nine, <laughs> I was like, that name sounds familiar. Yo. Why, why? I was like, wait, yo, after one perfect inning. <laughs> at nine, at nine, I have Evan Phillips of the Dodgers. At eight, I have Camilo Doval of the Giants. At seven, I have David Bendar of the Pirates. Six, Emmanuel Classe, Guardians. Five, I have Pete Fairbanks. Pete Fairbanks at Five. Edwin Diaz at four. I have Matt Brash of the Seattle Mariners at three. I have Josh Hader at two. I also don't like the fact that he doesn't pitch when his coaches tell him to. So, you know, I feel you on that, Rob. But number one, I'm uh, with you, Mr. Venegas. Uh, Devin Williams of the Milwaukee Brewers is my number one reliever. And that's that. That's that. Top 10 done. Sir, not too many negative comments this year. Not too many. Um, we, we, I did my research this year, people. You know what? I got. I got to. I got to tell you something. Um, something that I thought that we'd get shit on was the panel left fielder post. Um, but people actually were pretty understanding that Brandon Nimmo is number one because left field is as barren as it comes. You know. Well, and, yeah, and I'm. Yeah. And, Honestly, good thing you didn't put my list out that I gave you because I put Alvarez as one, and he's a yeah. designated hitter. That's the thing. MLB, that's a, that's the thing. MLB Network doesn't do designated hitters, so it's like, you know, he, he primarily is a DH, and then Juan Soto, who played left field for the Padres last year, shifted him back over to right. So you look, and it's really yeah. like Nimmo, Rosarena, and Brian Reynolds. So um, Very yeah. true. Yeah. Well, gentlemen. Obviously, like, uh, again, we've said it a million times, but a weird offseason, um, a very lackluster hot stove. With that said, we we made it. Um, opening day, literally, it's February 26th, opening day. How many days away is it? Is it 30? I'm having 32. trouble. We got so, three. Something like that. Three. March, March 28th. It's 31. February 26th. 31. March 31? No, no, no. We have 31 days until opening day. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mike Piazza, I believe. If I'm wrong, whatever. Do we start? Do, do we start? We start on the road, right? No, we no start we're, at the, we're at the crib. Oh, okay. Against yeah. Milwaukee. David Stearns is taking the field against his old team. <laughs> He's Good suiting up at Psycho sitting out there in the freezing cold. Yeah, you are? Oh, I said, Good luck to the Psychos and do that i don't go there until at least like the sun's out like until at least like april april early may dude if i if i could <laughs> if i could i would get there at midnight on march 27th and sleep over 
Yo, you're funny. Too Dude, bad I we used, have work. I used to, yeah, too bad we have work. I used to wake my folks up at like 6 a.m. in the morning, like it's Christmas. I used to shake my dad, like, it's opening day, yeah. it's opening day. We used to leave by like 9 a.m. Actually, we might have off that week. We don't. Uh, just Rob and I, Rob yeah. and I worked, Rob and I worked together. People haven't picked that one up. <laughs> yeah. throughout, yeah. throughout throughout this winter yeah. our listeners understand who we are and what we do yeah <laughs> all right with that gentlemen yeah. again as i said it's been fun and i know that i can probably speak for both of you when we say that uh we're super excited to get season three underway and um you know just several weeks uh any final notes here before we wrap up i'm ready for the season to start boys i'm ready to yeah, see some too. uh i'm ready just Ready for the weather to get nicer. Then you know baseball season's really here. Get to we can get to the ballpark, tailgate, go sit in center field, have some beers, and some hot dogs. Beers, nothing like hot it. Dogs. Yeah. yeah. What is it, Pat? Some flurgers, <laughs> some flurgers. But now, I'm what's it called? I'm I'm on the same page, man. I'm I'm ready for the season to start. Um, you know, some again, the, yeah, Rob, the Super Bowl kind of. Rob, you looking forward to some of those um what are those little things called that they sell on the right right at the train station? What? The little juice shots. Oh uh, oh dude. What? what are those called? I don't know. The nutcrackers? Yeah, yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> the nutcrackers, yeah. What oh, what from homie home, you buy from the from homie with the shopping cart? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only got man. cash up. You know, <laughs> yeah, Yo, dude, dude. grab yeah. a beer from him and everything, yeah, 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 pretty much. But, um, no, craziest day, craziest game we went to last year was the college night by far. Oh my gosh, that was like a zoo, bro. I thought city, I thought city field was like not moving, but like I thought it was coming down at one point because like it was so rowdy. Like, I'm not even lying, dude. Well, I, I was, <laughs> oh, well, I, I, at first I said, oh, yeah, but I wasn't even there. That was the that was the that oh, was the, that, yeah that was yeah. the game that you and uh you and Joaquin were there, <laughs> yeah Joaquin and Jesus, yes yeah but no dude that dude oh my god when I tell you like it felt it felt like this dude it was crazy well that was an electric just, game yeah crazy but yeah hopefully we have some of those in 2024 and again you know not to prolong this but again let's go Mets and let's have a good spring God willing uh, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, again, it's been fun and we thank all the listeners for sticking with us through this very slow hot stove season. Again, be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. We're at Cup of Mets. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, whether it be on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And lastly, again, head over to the App Store, download SeatGeek, Make an account, buy some tickets, punch in code Cup of Mets, use as many email addresses as you want, and get $20 off of your tickets. And that's that. And with that, for Matthew DeSantis and Robert Venegas, I'm Ian Bosniak. Thank you again for joining us. We'll see you in a few short weeks. And as always, let's go Mets. Good night, everybody. <laughs>